What is up, everyone? Mark Burry, the podcasting coach here. And when it comes to being a public speaker, it's a lot of fun to be on the stages, but you also have to think about expenses because you get airplane tickets, you get hotel, and sometimes the event organizer pays for that stuff, which is really nice. But I feel like a lot of people, they do not think as much about the profit they are making. Too many people are just focused on revenue. So we're going to be talking about how do we expand on our profit? Because we don't want to be the person who's making $100,000, who's spending $110,000 to make that $100,000. So our guest who joins us today, he is the host of the Mr. Biz Radio Show and the author of two best-selling books, Pathway to Profits and How to Be a Cash Flow Pro. Our guest is a strategic business partner who works with business owners to help them operate more profitably and more efficiently. Our guest who joins us is none other then Ken Wentworth also goes by Mr. Biz. Ken, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. I'm, we've been looking forward to this since we set it up. Ken, I'm so happy to have you on the Profitable Public Speaking Podcast. And just this idea of profit, we all know it's important, but we do live in a society where people spend more than they make. And from a business context, like, a lot of that is consumerism, what I just said. Like, you know, people spend more to it. But for a business standpoint, it's easy to forget about the numbers. So I'm wondering if you could share with us some of the ways that people are messing up that hurt their ability to make a profit. Yeah, I mean, honestly, for me, I have, I call them my three pillars of financial success um, for, for business specifically. Actually, you could probably apply them to your, your personal as well. But, um, and those three pillars are cash flow. Uh, without cash, you don't have a business, right? You got to have the money. <laughs> Makes sense, right? Uh, you got to get that right. Um, one of the other pillars in the foundation is budgeting. Uh, yes, the B word. Uh, I know a lot of people when I say, when I bring up budget, a lot of people, I think uh, most people don't use a budget because they think of it um, almost that abundance versus scarcity mindset. And they, they a lot of times think of a budget and it's synonymous with a diet. Mark, if I told you, hey, you got to go on a diet, Right away, you think, oh my gosh, I got to drink water and eat, let, you know, eat lettuce all day or eat salads all day. When in fact, you could go on a diet where you're actually trying to gain weight. And it could be the same thing for your budget. You might be reinvesting you know, what you're making back in your business, but the budget allows you to see where you're at at any given point in time. Super, super important. Um, and then the last one is, and this is definitely uh, hit home for the speakers out there, pricing. So um, there's, a, there's a piece that I also call the silent business killer. And that is you have products or services that are actually unprofitable. And people say, every business owner I ever talked to, they said, Ken, we don't have unprofitable products or services. Unfortunately, almost everyone does. And that's why I call it the, the silent business killer because you just don't realize that you have those products. And so for example, you might have a product or, or service, maybe it's, you know, you're speaking and you think, gosh, if I charge X, I'm going to make a bunch of money off of this. Again, as you mentioned, Mark, you, you focus on the revenue, you're focusing on that top line, not considering all the expenses and not considering um, everything that goes into it. So a real quick example, I recently talked with someone who has a, a, beanie, a media company. So one of the things that he does is they go out and do um, basically like a photo shoot for realtors when a house goes on the market, right? You see all snazzy pictures, right? When online with uh, houses, well, they go out and do that. And I said, well, how do you price that? And he said, well, I can't remember if the number exactly what it was, but I want to say he said he charges people, I think $250 to do it. And he, he um, contracts out the work and he charges, I think he pays the photographer $100. 
And so he's like, I make $150 for every time I you know, send someone out. And I said, well, not really. He said, well, yeah, Ken, you know, 250 minus 100 is 150. Like, you're not very smart. I said, I started looking around. Of course, with a media company, he has all kind of fancy gadgets and everything else. And I looked around. I said, is the rent here in your office? Is it free? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, that's not in your pricing, right? You, you, you're thinking you're making $150 or not. How about the camera that you have? How about all the video equipment you have? How about all that stuff needs to go into your pricing to really have an accurate picture of what you're making. So you may have, you may be landing speaking gigs, but if you're spending, let's say you do a lot of marketing online and you don't run Facebook ads and things like that, you got to include that in. It's not just, Hey, you know, they paid me, you know, $2,000 to come and speak. You got to think about what it costs you to get those, you know, those, those speaking gigs and things like that, keep, you know, keep it all in consideration. So those three things, Every client I start with, that's where we start. Cash flow, budgeting, and pricing. Once you get those down, you can start you know, kind of spreading out and figuring out what's next. And it's important, as Ken mentioned, to really put everything into perspective. I mean, I also put personal stuff into perspective. Like if I sign up for a marathon, like that's something that cuts into business profits. Like it's a personal thing, but it's money I could be using to work on ads. It's money I could invest in dividend stocks. So you got to include all those different expenses. So if you get like that $2,000 speaking gig, all the like, you know, hotel plane combined to $1,000, but you go on like a $2,000 shopping spree and that's a loss. So you do have to include all those different things. And Ken mentioned something really important, which is to reinvest. And one of the things with reinvesting is when you reinvest, you put your money into different areas that sometimes may not pan out but if you give it time, it can pan out. So how do you determine like if something you reinvest in has a loss in month one, like you keep going with it because there could be some bright side or do you just like, like what's the cutoff point where you say I've been reinvesting my money in this area. It's not worth it for me to do that anymore. I think uh, it's a good question. I think when you, uh, anytime you set out and you're investing in whatever it is, uh, I think you have to sort of map out what your intentions are, if, frankly, like a budget. Um, because some things, as you know, take longer to kind of come to fruition, right? It takes a little bit longer to, to brew the coffee in certain situations. And so you might not see a return right away. Whereas other things that you should, you probably should expect to see a return pretty quickly. So I think you got to look at it on an individual case by case basis, depending on what you're investing in um, as far as that investment goes. And then, you know, set a line in the sand for each individual one and say, hey, look, we need to look at this as of whatever, 90 days out or whatever it might be and see where we're at and make a decision then. Do we double down and invest more in this or is this not going well? Let's pull the plug. Um, but I think you got to kind of plan all that out. That's, that's all part of a budget, obviously, as well. And it's great that Ken says, you know, have these different perspectives because they're just going to be like, like for a coaching commitment where you could be committed to that person for months. Like it could take several months or a year. I mean, I know with my podcasting, I first hired a coach that now I am a podcast coach, but it did take me some time to see the profit. Now looking back, would I do that investment a hundred percent? I do that all over again because I've seen the profit, but sometimes it takes a lot of time to see the return. Other times you're expecting the return right away based on what it is that you're investing in. So it is good to have those different perspectives and a budget really like it's something that makes you smarter about your choices. You can't go overboard 
But at the same time, if you set the budget too low, then you're not able to properly reinvest. So what's your advice for people who are looking to set that right budget for them that gives them the reinvestment flexibility without, oh, I spent 110 grand to make 100 grand? <laughs> yeah, so what I talk about, and, and I get this question all the time about, you know, what should a business spend, for example, on, on marketing and advertising? And so I look at that as most businesses should spend somewhere between two and 8% of their revenue on advertising, marketing and advertising. You can go up to about 15%, but usually that nine to 15% range, those are like short-term type things. So for example, depending on your business, you might have an opportunity to see some market share. You may have a competitor that's gone out of business and so, or you might be, you may have, you have a brick and mortar, you may have opened a new location. Um, and so you really wanna get, get that thing off the ground and so you would temporarily you know, be in that higher range. But, um, I tell people somewhere in that two to eight percent range is is important. And I like with my owners uh, and my clients I work with, we look at it as kind of uh, I, some of them that need reined in. The way I do it is we look at each individual uh, month, and we do it on a month one month lag. So for example, what I mean by that is if your revenue for January is ten thousand dollars, and we're going to spend you know ten percent, let's say then in February, you get to spend $1,000. You get 10% of last month's revenue. So that makes sure you stay on that, whatever that percentage that you want to spend, it keeps you honest about it and it makes sure, and that way, the other thing is it's, it creates an incentive, right? Because if you have some different things you want to invest in, some new marketing ideas and things like that, man, you can really push for that revenue in April because you want to you know, be able to spend that money in May, for example. But that's a way to kind of keep control of your expenses without letting them get out of, you know, get out of hand. The other thing I see is I had a, a client one time that, um, you know, we set his budget and he was spending his marketing based on his revenue budget for the year. Problem was he wasn't hitting his revenue targets. Mm -hmm. So they were lower. So all of a sudden he's spending a lot more than he should have. So he was one of those people that he was the first one. Actually, I'm like, okay, we're doing this on a one month lag from now on. If you don't earn it, you can't spend it. <laughs> I love that. And I feel like that's something that, if people actually lived by, if you're not earning it, you can't spend it. Debt would not be as much of an issue. And, you know, people just make smarter decisions. Now with the, some people like view advertising as that way to get clients to attract customers. And they'll say, I need to, any money I make, just pour it right back into ads, let it keep, uh, you know, positive loop. So what are some of the ways that, you approach getting clients and building your customer base when you mentioned, you know, two to 9% on ads. I mean, some people could go to nine to 15 in some cases, but what are you doing in the other scenarios? Um, so what do we mean in other scenarios as far as what? Like what are the other things you're doing to pull in clients or some of the things that have worked best for you? Gotcha. I mean, for me, honestly, um, what made an absolute significant change for me and it was hundred percent organic, didn't cost me a penny was I do a lot of videos. Um, and specifically, I have a, a pretty large following on, on Facebook, uh, on my Facebook business pages. And so I started doing a lot of Facebook Lives. Um, I do four to six minute videos that are, um, you know, instructional in nature, you know, some tips on, you know, I'll cover things about cash flow, about budgeting, all that kind of stuff, hiring people, all, all these different things, cover them four to six minutes. And Gosh, I'll tell you, it was amazing, Mark. I mean, the the organic growth I got, and then the growth in my followers. Um, you know, people the, the the videos. I wouldn't say they went viral, but as they got passed around and everything, I got more followers, and then 
as I did more videos, it was like the proverbial snowball rolling down the hill. It just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and building upon itself. Um, and that gives you a ton of options, but that was 100% organic because like anything else, especially for speakers out there, what better way for an event planner, let's say, to decide if they would like to have you as a speaker at their event than to actually see you speaking, right? Uh, not only if they can't be in an event, they're not going to attend necessarily that, you know, maybe some event you're speaking at, but gosh, if you got a video out there for them to see, that's a, that's proof positive right there. And that whole, you know, no like and trust thing where people do business with people that they know, like, and trust, what better way to, uh, to, to be able to convey that than via video? You know, I'm based in Ohio, someone in Idaho, how am I going to do some business with someone in Idaho? How are they ever going to find me? How are they going to know they can, if they know, like, and trust me, right? But if they've got video out there, it's, it's an easy way. I get stopped in the airport. People will, I had a guy, I was in Orlando airport. I was flying down to Austin, Texas through Orlando. And a guy stopped me in the airport. He's like, Hey, Mr. Biz, man, it's great to see you. Wow. I didn't recognize the guy. And I'm like, That's uh, I said, I'm really sorry. I don't, I don't, I don't remember your name. And he's like, Oh, I've never met you before, but I feel like I know you. I, I follow you on social media. I watch all your videos. And he starts quoting things from my videos. Um, so it, it was just, I mean, it's just super, super powerful and it's all organic and, and honestly it didn't cost me a dime. So. Yeah. I mean, video, I mean, I've been like, Biden going into 2020 was to fully commit to YouTube and I'm going to be doing more Facebook lives because I've heard people say that, you know, like Ken's come on the show, Profit Public Speaking and saying like, you know, Facebook live. And that is such a great way to engage with your audience. So what I've been seeing on YouTube is it's not, it's, you could see the creator like blow up, go viral, something like that. But it's just like a lot of videos, like gaining one new subscriber each day or gaining like five views a day and you do hundreds of them. And then all like, that's why so many YouTubers who have such big audiences, they have hundreds, if not over a thousand videos already in play. It's just all those little incremental gains. And I'm wondering if you can share a little bit, we'll get back into profit and stuff like that, but what are you doing in the Facebook lives to turn people into customers and clients? I mean, honestly, it's just, uh, it's kind of the, the Gary V approach, uh, you know, just providing value, um, covering topics that I know are important to business owners. And, and then I, the other thing that happens is people will comment on the videos and they'll say, Hey, this is great advice. How about, can you do a video in the future about X, Y, and Z? And so I just put that on the list and, uh, and I'll do a video on that. But, um, so people reach out to me, they see on the video and they'll say, Hey, you know what? I just saw this video. Um, they'll DM me or whatever on one of the social media platforms or, um, or reach out on via our uh, website, something like that. But, um, but again, I'm, taking down that barrier, the no like trust barrier, because if you're watching, they're going to find out right away. Like, can this guy help me or can he, do I like him or is he a jerk or, you know what I mean? Right. You, you kind of break that all down in a video and I just pop on and I'm just myself. Like I don't, I don't edit them. I, they're just Facebook lives. I just do them. I mean, I know the topic I'm going to cover, but I'll just say, okay, today we're going to talk about cash flow, how to improve cash flow, and specifically about invoicing. And I'll just start talking about it. Um, and I've always been sort of a, a wing it, you know, I can kind of riff off things uh, anyway, but I just do that. And I think that the feedback I've gotten is that, you know, people see the authenticity. It's not scripted. I'm not reading a script of which seems so, you know, robotic and, and, and unauthentic and, and not genuine. Um, and, you know, I, I, it's funny. I, and I just do things that sometimes I'm trying to put humor in them or anything like that. No one wants to hear about business stuff all the time. It can get boring, right? So I try to jazz it up, but, and I'm self-deprecation. I mean, I make mistakes all the time. I make fun of myself. I'll say, guys, you won't believe this today. I did X, Y, and people love that stuff. 
I had one video. I was actually at our house and I was on a Facebook live and I went out on our deck and it was kind of windy. So I actually connected my lav mic. So I connected it to my tie or my shirt or whatever. And I, and, uh, was going through and it started getting windy. And I said, Hey, I, I want you guys to know I was prepared. I knew it was windy. And so, uh, I, hope, I know you can hear me well, cause I got my microphone. I looked down, I never plugged it into my phone. <laughs> so I had this lab mic on my tie or my shirt or whatever, but I never plugged it in. So it wasn't even, I'm like, guys, you won't believe this. I literally showed them like, this is how much of an idiot I am. Like I didn't even, I brought it out here. I was trying to think ahead. I didn't even plug it in. People like things like that. They love that stuff. Again, I think it's just the authenticity and, um, seeing that you're, you're real and you, you know, everyone makes mistakes and owning it and, you know, kind of going with it. And I love that perspective because like one of the things that I do with these episodes, is I don't really do much editing unless it's like a really big, like something like that. But for the most part, I don't really edit these. I just want to show the raw footage, what it was in this pre-recorded conversation and the way it was in that recorded conversation is the way that you guys are hearing it right now on Profitable Public Speaking. And one of the things I do want to get into is that there are some people who I feel like they just look at the big numbers. They look at top line and they look at bottom line. And I feel like as long as profit is there, there's a tendency to say, this segment of mine is unprofitable, but my business as a whole makes a profit. And... I'm wondering if you could share with us, like, do you recommend that approach? Do you recommend like a deeper dive into segments and making decisions there to boost that profit or just to reinvest? Like what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, that, that's, I kind of alluded to some of it a little bit earlier, but that silent business killer, that product or service that you have, you don't even realize that might be actually losing money. I mean, on things like that, if, if you can't produce the product or the service, at, and, and put it at a price that's, you know, competitive in the market, then you should cut it. Uh, and you figure out if you can do that. Can you cut your expenses? And so you can, you know, put it out at a, a cheaper price for, for the consumer. If you can't, it's just not your gig, right? Cut it. Um, and now there are some situations where you might, depending on, again, like a, a brick and more like a retail store, you might have, a, you know, as I'm sure you've heard, like a loss leader, something that gets people in the door, you might actually break even on or maybe even lose a little bit, but your idea is that's going to get people in the door. And while they're there, they're also going to buy three other things, which I make a profit on those. And so that's okay. But for the most part, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't like to have unprofitable things, right? <laughs> I don't want my, my clients to have them either. So tracking that, making sure you're, you're aware of all those things and then either fix it so you can make it profitable or cut it. Don't, don't do the product or service anymore. Um, again, unless it's leading, it's a loss leader and leading to other business for you. But for the most part, I had that situation with a uh, small manufacturer where they make things um, like countertops, um, uh, shower stall bases and things like that for, for you know, uh, the largest home builder in the area, a huge home builder actually around the country was one of their clients. What I found out was they were only using one of their products and it was unprofitable for us. And so I had to sit the owner down and say, Hey, we got to figure this out. So we didn't cut the product. We went back to that, that home builder and said, look, we either have to charge you more or how about if you let us bid on some other products and you can use some of our other products in our suite. Uh, and we ended up having to sever ties with that, that, uh, you know, several relationship with that particular home builder, which was absolutely crazy because they were huge. I mean, you would think, Oh my gosh, that's 
that's the cash cow. That's what you got to do. But um, and sometimes you have to make those tough decisions and, and drop those unprofitable products. Because again, like I said, that can be the silent business killer. Let's say you have a product you don't realize or a service you don't realize it's unprofitable and you're out selling it like crazy. Well, every product you sell or every time you sell that service, you're actually losing money. You're digging your, it's like quicksand, right? You're digging yourself a hole and you don't even realize it. That's why I call it, you know, like I said, the silent business killer that that thing can just kill you, you know? Yeah. I mean, silent business killer. I feel like a lot of people can resonate with that. And I feel like we all have them to different degrees unless you are looking at your numbers and then you figure out, Oh, this thing is doing it. And then actually taking action, actually um, exposing this unprofitable segment and making the changes to make it profitable or just to cut it entirely. And I know for some people like cutting a segment of their business is really hard, but it is something necessary for your profit, for your ability to support your family, for your ability to pay employees and all those important things you do. So it is necessary to make those types of cuts in your sanity. At the end of the day, Mark, it's your sanity, right? Because that unprofitable product or service is, is giving you gray hair, is keeping you up at night, is because it's dragging down your business. Um, and so, you know, again, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll price it to where it is profitable. And if someone's willing to pay that, maybe it's above sort of market rate. And if someone's willing to pay it, great, we do it. Uh, we do the product or the service. If they're not, that's okay too, because we don't want to price it, like I said, at, a, at an unprofitable level. So. It is, it's a tough pill to swallow sometimes, but um, it's very, very important. I mean, uh, it's extremely important. And I, like I said, I, almost every client I've ever worked with has that, has something in their business that, that, that's unprofitable. They don't even realize it. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely feel like that's a lot of people. And uh, speaking of a lot of people, what I think a lot of people should do if they did enjoy this episode, first review the show because all that stuff is appreciated. But I do always encourage people to check out the guests and follow their work if you enjoyed listening to the person on the show. So Ken, where are some good places we could find your work and follow you on your journey? Uh, com is uh, my website. Um, just If you look for Mr. Biz on all the social media platforms, you'll find me, uh, Instagram, obviously Facebook. And again, I put out content uh, at least five days a week on all the platforms. Um, I've got a YouTube channel, Mr. Biz, um, Instagram, Twitter, I'm pretty much all of them. Um, but yeah, I put out a ton of free content. So follow me and take advantage of the free content if nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's a business topic you'd like me to cover in a future video, DM me or, you know, drop me a message or whatever. And I'll, I'll give you a shout out on the video and cover a topic that might be helpful for you. Ken, this has been such an awesome episode. Links will be in the show notes, but once again, thank you for joining us on the profitable public speaking podcast. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks Mark. Appreciate it.